Welcome to it, welcome to it. My mic is always hot. Or either I'm loud, one or the two. Welcome to it, welcome to it. It is a little bit different. It's a little bit different, but as we told you guys last week, we're giving out some some other possible show times. Uh, we're giving those some some light. We're giving those some light over the last month or so. Welcome to it, guys. It is a little before 11 a.m. on a Monday. Top of the Monday morning. Top of the morning. Top of the morning. Um, just to let you guys know, my first show since since doing uh, or since Wednesday. I think we did one Wednesday. If we didn't do it Wednesday, I believe we did it Thursday. Uh, but first show that I've had since the news broke. And if you guys know where I'm from, you guys know exactly where I'm going. Rest in peace to the ruler. Rest in peace to Draco the ruler. Uh, I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Simerson, and if you guys heard why that the theme song was playing, if you guys hear any hair talk, typically, on the show, then you guys should know who I'm in studio with. Mr. Daryl D. Hoop Harris is in the building. What's the deal, man? Yo. Hey, man. <laughs> what, was, uh, what was the last thing I said on the pod? Uh, man, what was it? You got And it. my apologies to the listeners, to everybody. We already talked about it. Um, I'd love to be... A bit more frequent, but you know, life. Um, but remember, we were here and we were wrapping up, and you were like, "I, we got sixty seconds. Anything you want to say? You remember what I said? I do remember you saying something that I didn't. I didn't reply to it. I just let the show in after it. What did you say? I was like, "Ah, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Um, it was week one of the NBA season. We didn't really talk basketball. Okay. I was like, oh, uh, yeah, no, the Warriors." Warriors, man. Oh, no, yeah. They're legit. <laughs> They're legit. That boy is back. Hey, man. That boy we are, we're actually going to start with some basketball, ironically enough. Uh, eh, I lied to you. We got basketball on the show, but we, we probably won't start with it only because the biggest news here in Vegas. Actually, you know that some news broke this morning? It's some, whoa, <laughs> what, the, what broke this morning? Um, let's, let, let's address the elephant in the room really quick because I got the email this morning. I also got, uh, I seen ESPN. They must have got the same email that we got this morning. But USA Basketball went ahead and announced who their next head coach is going to be. And if you guys were not already aware, Steve Kerr is going to be the next head coach following Greg Popovich. And um, I think what's interesting is that we talked about it for quite some time when he first became the head coach for, the, uh, for Team USA, for the men's senior team. We questioned how long Pop was going to do it. <laughs> it didn't seem that long now in retrospect, but he must have, ha- he must have coached them at least through a, a few world tournaments. 
And um, even then, I, I don't think the fact that they announced Steve Kerr as being the next one doesn't mean that he's taking over now. Yeah, and I think that that's a logical successor. Um, when they announced it, I was like, oh, yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And if you guys have cover have actually seen our coverage of Summer League, you guys will will come to find out. Uh, it it could be one of two reasons, but I will say it. Steve Kerr is obviously one of the people who always gives us his time, always gives us his ear, and um, you could argue that part of it is the, is because he and Patty McCall have two of the same championship rings. So you may be able to argue that, but Steve Kerr has always been generous with his time when it came to us. So shout out to Coach Kerr. Um, but when I said biggest news in Vegas, nobody expected to play a game today, right? No, and definitely not in the afternoon. Fan. <laughs> this is weird. This is weird. Aside from having a Saturday game in week 14 anyway, which also caught me off guard. First of all, it was two of them. <laughs> so that's what made it a little weird for me. And the weird thing is we're talking about the Raiders. We're talking about the Las Vegas Raiders and their matchup with the Cleveland Browns today. And the game was supposed to take place on Sunday. Or, excuse me, I lied, on Saturday. The Browns had 21 players, and I don't believe this included coaches. I think it was just 21 on-field players that had entered – the NFL's health and safety protocol, obviously, only, due to uh, COVID-19. Only 40% of the roster, right. roughly. Right. That said, Daryl is, is addressing the elephant in the room because the Browns had enough to play this game. All right, <laughs> <sighs> you want to you say your piece first, or do, it, do you want me to disagree with KJ right now? No, go ahead. All right, so KJ Wright said – should I pull up the tweet? I wonder if he tweeted since. But K.J. Wright, obviously linebacker for the Las Vegas Raiders, wasn't too happy when he heard that the game was going to be pushed back, considering the Browns had enough firepower and or um, roster power to do it. Talk to me. No, physical bodies, yeah. Literally had enough able bodies. But the tweet says, and this could be a that's out there now, K.J. Wright says, I pay my player dues. Just to get lied to, and the rules bent. And he added the NFL, and he added the NFLPA. If it was the other way around, I swear we would be playing tomorrow. See, yeah, nah, man. I uh, I don't fault him. Props to him for sending that tweet. I'm with it, even though I disagree. <laughs> yeah, I can't necessarily ride with it. If the Raiders way. had 21 players out, I'm not sure that this game would have been played on Saturday either. <laughs> not to say that uh, there's not some validity to what he's saying. For sure. Um, because we don't know. We don't know how it would have went. But uh, I think it was more so the Saturday placement. They're like, why okay. they were willing to move it? Yeah, they were like, okay, why are we going to put on this mess of a game on our Saturday, which is supposed to be a special marquee matchup? That's a good point. It makes no sense for us to do that um, versus, uh, you know, Cleveland. We got to look out for Cleveland. There, there's no way we can, we can disservice – Cleveland's fan base, and we, we we can't do that. We have to do right by them versus giving the Raiders a shorthand of the stick. But, you know. My phone should not be up. Sorry, guys. It shouldn't. Um, I would I would care a lot more if the Raiders had managed to win some games in recent weeks. Hmm. But with their playoff chances looking slimmer, slim to we'll see what the math says. I'm a little less invested. But. 
I'm not mad at um. I'm not mad at them making some kind of compromise to at least not postpone the game or cancel it or add an extra week. Those seasons long enough. I'll be honest with you. I think you might have said the <laughs> you might have said the main point and probably the NFL is thinking. And that's what was so interesting to me because I wasn't sure about it. And I'll be completely honest. That's why I thought that the game would have been played or the game. I wasn't sure, rather, if the game would have been played if the Raiders were in that same regard. And I think while you did say K.J. Wright has some validity to his point because we don't know and we won't know. I think what you just said is the reason why I came to the conclusion that I came to. And I wasn't even there first. And like you said, it's a Saturday. First of all, it's a Saturday matinee. So everybody's waking up. You got you got NFL football this time around. You got it at 2 o'clock. So you got it midday. You can go get some breakfast. You can even wait and do it for brunch. Whatever you want to do. Why am I going to send out second and third stringers? And I think that's probably the best argument, and I would probably feel a little better if the NFL came out and said it. They, Yeah, my, that's what it was. That's essentially what it was. You know, we've seen the NBA players play with literally eight guys, nine guys last year especially. Um, and football is different. Um, it was doable. Like we're saying, they had enough bodies. They could have maybe made this something. But Let me what, jump are, in for what are we watching at that point? That's second and third stringers. But I did because you just mentioned the NBA and you just mentioned eight. Uh, last week's NBA rap, we talked about just a lot of the, the, the subheads and what some of them are. We all know about the running with the Bulls. You can already guess what the, what the particular excerpt was about when I tell you that the subhead was running out of Bulls. <laughs> yeah, definitely can. Um, my fantasy team was, was lacking because of that 10 players at once and, I, and the interesting part was when I originally started I think the week before I did a I mentioned the new uh, updated um, COVID mandates in the NBA and at the time I highlighted LeBron I highlighted Chicago's three in the protocol and I think at the time Charlotte had four in the protocol the it, following week for the weekly wrap the Bulls at 10 yeah definitely so they, we're seeing an outbreak everywhere having a full week off just in the middle of the season that was not scheduled. <laughs> At um, 17 and 10, mind you. Um, you can let me know whether it was important or not. Came back with a win over L.A. Uh, but let's let's talk about it really be, really only because, I'll be honest, if and we could probably discuss if they even would have been playing on a Saturday if these were two four-win teams, and I'm guessing the answer is no. But they saved it because it's playoff implications, Correct. I would like to say, um, say maybe they were playing, maybe it was a division game. Maybe okay. this doesn't happen. With the AFC North being as tight as it is, somebody's going to come up short. If you then say Cle Cleveland just makes a straw argument, well, I mean, come on. They made us play with 30 guys. Right. They made us play with, with 33 guys, with none of our starters, half our starters. Sucks to suck. But you would have a large contingency of their fans' organization, you know, making that claim if they end up making the playoffs, which I don't think they will. But, you know. And I hate to say it, but I think the fact that it would be a large group of Browns fans makes a lot more of us care a lot less. I can't disagree with you. <laughs> 
you know what? All right, I'm gonna shout give out you, to Isaiah. I'm gonna that. give you a group of teams, and you tell me which team is more middle of the pack: Atlanta, the Raiders, Minnesota. That's that's the middle. Atlanta's definitely probably maybe towards the bottom. Right I don't now. know, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh man. If Atlanta finished six and ten, would you be shocked? Any given year, well, they wouldn't. They were not going to do it now because they got seventeen. But if they ended any given year over the last seven, six and ten, would you be shocked? No, not at all. If they went ten and six, would you be shocked? No, week in and week out, I'm still slightly hesitant to wager against them because I'm like, wait, is, is Matt going to play good this game? <laughs> I think I bet on. The, I think I bet on Atlanta this week they and got, I lost. They got a Super Bowl quarterback. Is are they going to play good this week? I forgot. Free Matt Ryan. Um, Kyle Pitts wasn't enough, and he's. Great, and that says a lot. Um, but let's get back to this football game at hand. Look, I, I, I mean, we we set the elephant in the room as a couple of different things in terms of this game, but I guess the overall, the room itself probably would be the playoff picture. And the Raiders come into this game twelfth uh, in the AFC playoff picture, while the Cleveland Browns entered eighth before yesterday. It entered eighth rather before yesterday. The Raiders come into this game four and four against the AFC. Now, I've caught the last. Three Raider games? I don't think it's four. I think I caught the last three Raider games. And I caught the loss to Washington. I caught the blowout at KC. I caught the win at Dallas. And I'm calling this a win as well for the Raiders. Not even – I said this before the COVID outbreak. Mainly because when you look at what the Raiders have left, the Raiders are going to win back-to-back weeks. And the Raiders are going to be 8-7. and seven. And the Raiders are going to control their playoff destiny. That and the Raiders are man. going to lose the last two oh, games Oh, oh, why you curve me? Because they're at Indianapolis and they're home here in Vegas against the Chargers. And I think Justin Herbert is going to have to play for in week 18. And I think that game actually gets him to the playoffs. <sighs> See, man, I told you before the year that I- I'm definitely turning into a, a true Raider fan because the optimism – over like you know, I'm more glass half full than I should be. It makes you sick, doesn't it? And, and each man, each of these last <laughs> couple of losses, I'm like, man, I know it's coming, but we could. I don't know. Let me hold out. Let me hold out hope till the game starts. KC, 15 minutes later, yeah, now nah, this game's done. I told you this game. I told done. you guys. I tried to tell you guys. Don't put any this hope game's in that game. Certainly done. Not that one. Um, Washington. You know, man, we should beat those guys. We uh, we at home. You know what I'm saying? Taylor Heineke. We not going. We not going to drop this one. We could though. Nah, definitely lost it. And you dropped it. And yeah, I don't know, man. This team has been different versions of themselves mm. every three weeks. To mm. so where right now, I don't know who they are. Uh, <laughs> What's the worst we've seen the Raiders this year? I got my ass. Somewhere um, between, I think it might have been Gruden's last game. That was nasty. That that Chicago loss at home was nasty. They didn't look too good at MetLife either. No. The Jets loss wasn't nice. I don't know, bro. Well, you, you put the tally up. What was it? It's 89, 89-15, 89-13 against oh, the Chiefs oh, against this Chiefs? year. Uh no, what was it? Um, I, I just I did the math. Eighty nine twenty three. Oh yeah, my math. Eighty nine twenty three. Twenty three. Forty one fourteen and forty eight nine. Yep. Eighty nine. And I I think when I was taking a, a stab and and oh 
Let me go ahead and do this now. <laughs> Shout out to the OD podcast. We recorded episode 46 this past weekend. Episode title was called Shot in the Dark. That's why it, it popped in my mind. But I'm going to take a shot in the dark because I said two weeks before or maybe a week before that game that the Chiefs are probably going to outscore the Raiders somewhere around 85 to 26. They ended up outscoring the Raiders 89 to 23. So I know that they that say was on the money. I know that they say close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, but that was pretty damn close. No, that was on the money. So I'm Probably I'm a claim that one. Probably I'm gonna take that it. one. But the, the I weird didn't expect to anticipate possible eight and seven. After those last couple After losses, this. I'm like, man, we, we had control of the division, which I knew wouldn't last. But True. it was a great start. <laughs> I, I like starting at that position, and then you know, but we've seen that the last couple years with this team, but. It starts with today. If they drop this, you know, pretty if much they drop put a, this, it's, it's pretty same. much put a fork in them. I'm, I'm, I'm penciling Denver out. That's what I'm gonna do. Wait, uh, you're penciling it in as a, as a win for the Raiders? No, I'm penciling Denver out in terms oh, of as, out from the postseason, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Um, AFC West. And then and that, then the Raiders need these last. Then two it games. comes down to the West and the North. That's gonna, they're gonna have six playoff teams, maybe. Here's the and here's the here's the bad thing. Like I said before, the Raiders are going to win these next two games. They're going to be on a two game winning streak. They're going to be a game over five hundred heading to the last two weeks of the season, and then they're playing teams with something to play for. That's the issue that I'm running into. The AFC South is still going to be up for grabs two weeks from now. The AFC West may be up for grabs three weeks from now. And the thing is that AFC South title will have maybe make or break implications. Yeah, because, a lot of uh, two might get in, but if the winner is at you know nine and eight or ten and seven, the other second place probably might not make it. You know, and the Raiders have a hand in that because the Raiders need to take care of a team like Cleveland, who's in the playoff hunt, because they're going to be that potential last wild card team if there's not a second team from not the AFC South. Not until you just laid that in, in, in perspective, man. I thought the season was really a wrap. Yeah, man, but it's they possible. actually could control the destiny with a win today. Yeah. And no, and obviously we on never want to. Wait, oh yeah, today. Obviously, we never want to um, root for injuries or anything of that nature. We never even want to highlight injuries as a possible plus for the other team. But very scary moment yesterday for Teddy Bridgewater. We talk about quarterbacks, uh, just journeys in general, and I don't know too many quarterbacks has had a harder one than Teddy Bridgewater. So I expect Teddy Bridgewater to make a full recovery. I expect Teddy Bridgewater to be right back to Teddy Bridgewater level. Um, that said, I don't know if he plays next week. Yeah. Yeah. I think Denver does not want to play Drew Locke. I, I definitely don't think so. Yeah. But uh, at this point, you can't force that man on the field if he's less than 100%. And bodes well for Vegas. Yeah. Because that's our matchup next week. And like you said, handle this one potentially. I don't know what it, I don't know how to call this one today, man. I don't. I'm gonna go Raiders. I'm gonna go Raiders. I really yeah. don't. And this is the weird part. And this is where we can move on and slowly get into some Vegas Golden Night news before we get into the rest of it. It's something about Derek Carr, bro. I know, man. I can, I really can't root against that guy. And week and coming into every game, I'm like, you know, this guy is. He's gonna give you a shot. You no, know he's pretty good, right? <laughs> he's gonna give you a pretty decent shot. And the, the weird thing about it is, I was telling. Um, and even if even if it doesn't start great, if you're within range in the fourth, and sometimes it's the opposite, which probably really frustrates people. Sometimes it doesn't end great. Sometimes it starts just fine. But I think the issue does become expectation. 
And like I said before, what the reason why I bet on Derek Carr and I said the Raiders were going to win probably by a field goal in Dallas on Thanksgiving Day is because I've seen Derek Carr in those moments too many times. It doesn't matter if the Raiders are 4-10. and 10. If they're in that moment, Derek Carr is going to win. I've just seen it too often. Yeah. However, we talked about it earlier, Derek Carr going to MetLife, 10 a.m. game, it's a stinker. Derek Carr, 10 a.m. game, Arrowhead, it's a stinker. Derek Carr, 2 p.m. at Cleveland. We hope it's not a stinker. Yeah. But these are the moments that, like I said, there's no way that Derek Carr should go to Dallas and outplay Dak Prescott on Thanksgiving Day and then two two weeks later get outplayed by Taylor Heineke at Allegiant Stadium. That's the vast – that's why the Raiders are a middle of the Can't call it, man. It's been almost no Waller all – not all year, but – Off and on all year. It feels like – The first five weeks he was pretty consistent. Right, which is a while ago now. And um, I don't know. It's not a weapons thing because uh, he, he gets the ball around. We're going to see, man. Speaking of it, too, we don't have Matt Raftery, obviously, in the building. Shout out to Matt uh, today. But the Vegas Golden Knights, I do want to highlight. I mentioned that the Vegas Golden Knights went 2-0. and Well, started this four-game Side East note, Coast swing. Before we abandon this. Guess you know what the spread is for this game today? I don't. Take a guess. Cleveland by this two and a half. This surprised me. Raiders are favored by three. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. No, I couldn't confidently take that. I don't like that. But I feel like that is indicative of something. COVID. And I feel maybe a little bit better. COVID. <laughs> a little better about be their COVID. chances. Definitely, you know. I feel worse about their chances now. I, if I had money on the line, <laughs> I couldn't do it. But that was worth mentioning. That's not good. <laughs> the, anytime <laughs> the Raiders are favored, that's not good. Uh, but speaking of these last two games of this road trip, like I said, the Vegas Go Tonight started this East Coast swing road trip. 2-0. and Their last two games, I, I noticed that well, first of all, Matt noticed that they're playing both of the – or the, they were playing both of the New York teams, the New York Rangers and then the New York Islanders. And like he said before, the first two games, I, while they were obviously important to get, he wasn't quite sure what to make of the road trip if the team was to drop the, the next two games. I'm here to let everybody who's listening know the Vegas Golden Knights didn't drop the next two games. The Vegas Golden Knights capped off their four-game road trip with a 4-3 to three win including a win in shutout, or excuse me, in a shootout over the New York Islanders. They improved to 20-11-0 on the year. Once again, they are still only one of two teams with a zero in that third column, so that is no OT losses. In addition to that, they have 40 points, which is now tied for first place in the Pacific Division. They are tied with the Anaheim Ducks. I've, I've told you guys, I think, first week of the season I hit the panic button right away and I told you guys I wasn't going to move all season long this is a good move for the Vegas Golden Knights obviously winning winning these well all four of these road trip games and all four of them being on the east coast I I think this does say a lot about this uh, this team started the road trip in Boston against the Bruins then you go to New Jersey to take care of the Devils and then of course you go to New York to take care of the Rangers and the Islanders all in one sweep Good, so, good so note. Brief, brief me really quick, man, because I haven't got to uh, catch many Golden Knights games. But I have been watching, um, mm-hmm. you know, watching, following scores, and they've, they're they surprising me, man. Yeah. Is that is that accurate or not? Because um, 
I thought especially after the trade was made that it was a not a double down on the future entirely, but it was a we're not going to press the urgent urgent panic button win now mode. We are trying. We're going to be competitive, but we aren't, you know, just forcing our hand at the moment. We're going to, you know. Make this move where it's gonna play out for us better in the long run. Yeah. And since then, they've actually still been pretty decent. Yeah. I'll be honest. The Jack Eichel trade, worst case scenario, is a long term play. I'll right. say that worst case scenario because if if his rehab and training goes right, I believe they were saying it was a three month injury or something or three month a three month recovery. We know that the NBA season and the NHL season coincide, so that means they have until June if they go all the way. Yeah. So if Jack Eichel returns, I don't know, March, let's say his his rehab starts today, which it didn't, but let's say his rehab starts today and he's not ready until March. He could get a good possible month and a half of runway before having to, you know what I mean, play Insert him. Exactly. Before having to insert him in these – uh, win or go home situations that yeah. the playoffs are obviously going to present for the Golden Knights. I feel, I feel like at least. Um, the interesting part is though, every, it's hard to talk about this year's Vegas Golden Knights. Obviously, without talking about, it's hard to talk about any hockey team without talking about their goalie mm-hmm. and the decision to trade Mark Andre Fleury essentially for peanuts and keep Robin Leonard is going to continue to be the straw that broke the camel's back, I believe, for this Golden Knight team, only because I believe that's where a lot of the fan base lost faith, lost faith Excuse me, in the front office. I actually give them credit for that. Not with the utmost knowledge. No, uh, no, no, you're fine. And a lot of people feel like it was the right move to make in terms of money, even in terms of age. But we know how sports are. Sports always come down to what have you done for me lately? And if you compare what Robin Leonard has done for the Vegas Golden Knights and compare what Marc-Andre Fleury has done for the Chicago Blackhawks, Vegas made a mistake. Yeah. No, that context is, is, is uh, necessary. So, now, like everybody said, if Marc-Andre Fleury retires next season and <laughs> the Chicago Blackhawks don't win at all, don't even make the playoffs, and Robin Leonard goes on to ink two more deals with the Vegas Golden Knights, then ultimately they did win that deal. But we know that Sports isn't for the for isn't for the uh, faint of heart, and at the end of the day, you have to deal with these answers until you don't have to deal with these answers, and that's just the way that it is. And the weird thing about this is, I truthfully feel like, and shout out to Matt, who is our Vegas Go Tonight uh, beat writer. I told him about it. I feel like, truthfully speaking, what Alex said two years ago, ring well last year rings uh, loud. She said that Mark Andre Fleury was the city's guy. He was the front office guy. He was the locker room's guy. He was never Pete DeBoer's guy. Mm -hmm. That said, I think we're going to have to replay that that soundbite when this ultimately happens. What's going to end up happening is general manager Kelly McCrimmon, head coach Pete DeBoer, and probably Robin Leonard will all go out the door at the same time. That was... And yeah, no, that's definitely suggested a uh, difference in, you know, who who wants to be in the in the spotlight or who. 
even if Kelly McCrimmon doesn't want to be in the spotlight as a general manager, even if you the same way how he said that he didn't want captains for this team. Yeah. Peter Boy came in. It's not and that said, Flurry was washed. You would you would think, it's not right? That he was washed. <laughs> you would think. Mark or uh Peter Boy comes in and he says, if you hire me as head coach, you gotta let me run this the way that I run this. I need a captain. Kelly McCrimmon gives in. Mark Stone is now the captain. We understand that. If Kelly McCrimmon is saying that Mark Andre Fle- trading Mark Andre Fleury was not his decision, again, you let Pete DeBoer come in your office and say, this is what we're going to do. Cool. We're not saying whether you're right or wrong in doing that. Yeah. But if it does not work, not every- you're going out the door with everybody it. Everybody wasn't on board with it, so somebody's going to take the fall for it. Everybody has to take the fall for it. Yeah. That's just the way that it is. If if somebody at some point decides that Robin Leonard is not the answer for the Vegas Golden Knights and they get ready to ship him out of here, the guy that kept him here is going to, and the guy that allowed him to keep him here is going to. Yeah. That's what's going to end up At least one of them. Two. I think at least two of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think at least two of them. Um, We'll see how the Vegas Golden Knights. Depending on how it plays out. Exactly, because I was just about to say right now, the Vegas Golden Knights are looking like they're in a good spot. They do have a home game against the Tampa Bay Lightning on Tuesday. Yes, that game will take place tomorrow, Tuesday, December 21st at 7 p.m. Keep in mind, Tampa Bay Lightning, back-to-back reigning, defending Stanley Cup champions. Let's talk about it, man. Let's talk about some some other local news real quick, and we'll probably end it with some, with some uh, national talk. But, you know, actually, let me tell you about this weird stat that I saw earlier. Lay it on. And my mom actually, she sent me a couple of tip-ins last week, and I'm going to say this one only because we didn't start the show with it. You can never cross the ocean until you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. I'll read that one more time. You can never cross the ocean until you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. Mm. By the way, I know that that quote came from Christopher Columbus, and I do have somebody... Uh, who has a clothing line, and one of her hoodies says Columbus was a pirate. Straight up. It's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who doesn't want to hear that, but it's the truth. So you ready for this stat? Remember how during the Super Bowl last year they said that Patrick Mahomes hadn't lost by more than one possession since college, I think? Oh, my goodness. Something weird like that, right? Last night's game. Last night's Sunday night game that took place between the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was a 9-0 victory for the New Orleans Saints, led by Taysom Hill, by the way. And, Dad, since I know that you're (laughs) listening, I have a quick question. Do you remember when you wanted Taysom Hill? You wanted him where? As his starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) I forgot the Dallas Cowboys say. Anywho. Um, I just want you to sit with that. This isn't for us to talk about. Um, this is what I'm actually going to do. We're not going to talk about the quarterback play at Taysom Hill because the Saints scored nine points. However, let's talk about the Saints defense because the Saints defense shut out Tom Brady. And here's the part where I had to double check and triple check and make sure I wasn't going crazy. Last night's game was Tom Brady's first shutout in 15 years. So not ever. Tom Brady went 255 consecutive starts without being shut out. Sheesh. That's a career. Yeah. He went 15 years making sure that he got on the board. 
You can hang your hat on that. New Orleans, another team. I do not know who they are. I, I'm, I'm. I hate to say it, and this is probably be where it bites me. I'm only worried about Sean Payton, and I understand who Sean Payton is the head coach of, and this is going to sound oxymoronic. I am not worried about the New Orleans Saints. I wouldn't say They're going to get in their own way. I wouldn't way. say I am. They're going to um, get in their own way. Surprising, just because at certain points I'm like, all right, is this team for real? I don't know. I can't tell. But they do have Brady's number. They definitely have that. They definitely have that. Since since last year, you could already say. Um, I'll tell you one team that does look for real so far, and that's head coach Lindy LaRock and her group, the UNLV Lady Rebels. They improved to 7-3 and three after a win over Pacific, but this game against Pacific, a little unique, a little unique, a little odd even. Um, UNLV started this game down 8 to nothing. UNLV didn't have any field goals nearly four and a half or three and a half minutes into the game. No field goals. Down 11 to 2. And in case you guys have been following this UNLV uh, ladies, Lady Rebel season, they have pl- they have not played a home game before this last game for three weeks. November 28th was their last home game before Saturday's game. And the start the start confused me. I'll yeah. be I'll be completely honest. The start confused me. Um it appeared to confuse Lindy LaRock as well. <laughs> Not not quite sure what, what happened with that one. And UNLV in the first half, or first quarter, excuse me, had a moment where uh, Desiree was, appeared to be fouled, and she didn't get the call. She went ahead and, and said something to the referee and got teed up for the second time in, I believe, as many games. Second time in, in, in two games. And in that moment, first time in, that I've seen her, 100%, first time that I've seen Lindy LaRock absolutely lose her mind. <laughs> I don't think I have ever seen head coach Lindy LaRock that upset. And the bench was assessed to tech. Mm. I found that interesting. Obviously, Lindy LaRock is the head of that bench. So it was her first official technical foul of her young coaching career. She's only in her second year coaching uh, at this level, obviously. And I I asked Coach after the game, I said, I've had plenty of coaches tell me in certain moments that there are such things as good techs. And there there are moments when you want to wake up your team and or the, the, the crowd or the referees even. Yeah. And head coach Lindy LaRock went ahead and, and laid all of those rumors and or assumptions to bed. She said by that being her first technical foul and the way that it came about, she was not proud of it. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't the goal. <laughs> that wasn't the intention. However, and by the way, too, what I thought was so interesting, she's yelling because the referee that teed her up, similar to what happened to uh, Desiree on the road game, um, or I guess the neutral side game against Texas Tech last week. She gets fouled. The referee that's closest to the play doesn't call the foul. She says something. The referee away from the play tees her up. Yeah. It was the same exact thing this time around, and that's where Lindy LaRock is literally yelling at the, the baseline ref saying, that's your call. 
So when the other ref attempts to talk to her, she looks at him and she's like, I'm not even talking to you. <laughs> like, yeah. that's his call. So that that's where the frustration came from. I say that to say UNLV fell, fell down by as many as 19 points in this game. I started this by saying that UNLV got the win. They must have, yeah, they must have he, he heated up at some point. So something changed because I asked Desiree after the game, and I also asked Coach. I said, the team goes into halftime down 17 points, down 48 to 31. No energy in the building. Yeah. And I told Coach uh, they came out and something changed in the second half. I said, what was that halftime speech like? Coach looked at me, and Coach said, I don't think I can say I you're looked at Desiree. It's amazing. <laughs> Lindy LaRock is full of one-liners. I look at Desiree, and I said, I don't know if the team needed that because the team already is three and one at home, and I'm not sure if it's the three game, the the excuse me, the three weeks away from home or whatever the case may be. And Desiree, being a sophomore, was extremely candid, and she said, "No, we needed that. Everything that she told us at halftime, she said, I don't know if she told you what she told us, but <laughs> everything that she said, we needed it." And Desiree proceeded to go out and put the finishing touches on a new career-high 24 points. Essence Booker also struggled pretty much all game and ended up in the last 45 seconds of the game. Gets to her spot, gets to the elbow, runs a pick and roll, gets to the elbow, gets a jumper off. Easy two points. UNLV goes up by one, but what I found interesting, the game appeared to move in slow-mo in that moment. And they come back down the floor, and Essence is, is guarding, is the primary uh, defender for the ball handler for Pacific, and she forces a dribble on the end line. So that 45 seconds, as I told Essence, or excuse me, as I told Desiree and as I told Lindy LaRock, Essence probably struggled, like Coach said, for 38, 39 minutes. That last 45 seconds, one could argue Essence Booker won the game for UNOV. Four players scored in double figures. I, I don't know what you guys want to know aside from there's one more game against Hawaii before conference play starts. Right. Where are we at with it? No, shout, shout out to them. That game is on Tuesday. Yeah, so that game is tomorrow. I had to make sure because I'm about to say I'm at the game tomorrow. That game is Tuesday. Yes, December 21st at 2 p.m. It's a strange Monday. <laughs> strange Monday. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. We talk a lot off air about just this year and the first official year, I believe, for the business. And you know, that's another thing too that we, I think, we all had to learn this year too when we started this. Um, <laughs> yes, this is the first official year that we've kind of been running everything. Yes, we've had the business for three years. Both of those things are true. <laughs> Both of those things that, are true. I'm not mad at that. Like, when you realize that you literally take 18 to 24 Respect months it. to build something before you officially say that, okay, this is year one, yeah. <laughs> so, like, similar to what Daryl just said, it's a weird Monday. Fam, it's been a weird month. I don't know I don't know what's been going on the last 60 days around here, to be honest with you. Um, speaking of that, this is probably be a good time to talk about the men's team. About not, about not knowing what's going on? Fam, are they a middle-of-the-pack team, too? I don't know. I mean, yeah, prop, yeah. I I can't say they're leading the pack. I can't say they're at the back of the pack. But I got. We're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of hard discussions about this basketball team come conference play. Where, where we'll get the uh, 
the real show of who they are because they're out of season. I mean, out of conference play, they do a uh, they do a decent job of lining up a good opponent or two. Um, but you do have to. I don't know. You have to figure out who you are first, and it does it help or hurt when you're not playing the toughest competition? Stay there. Because they're seven and five. I'm gonna give you a good and a bad about this team. I'm gonna give you the bad first. They're seven and five. <laughs> They'll probably say that this is a good. They're seven and five. They're on a three game winning streak. I text you guys during the Seattle game and during the Hartford game, and I told the group, I don't know why I'm here. And I told you guys the main reason why is because very rarely do you feel this when you're watching a game. But it felt like a scrimmage, mm. and I told you. Guys, Where was that one at? And that was the one at both at the both at the Mandalay Bay. Mandalay Bay. The running rebels on the strip when uh, the rodeo was at the Thomas and Mac. So the only thing that I will say about that that I found interesting was that it looks better on the score on the um, schedule because UNLV has technically two neutral site wins, so they're two and two on neutral sites. What that neutral site record doesn't tell you is that all neutral site games were in Vegas. And it wasn't, you know, fam. BYU. You played Hartford. It wasn't BYU coming in, which wasn't a bad win a couple years back. <laughs> Shout to Noah Rabato, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, it it it's that comp. You know, it was Hartford. It was San Fran. It was San Francisco. wasn't here, was it? No, but even but then, the San Fran game was. Case you can talk point. about it if you want to. Case in point. Bryce Hamilton is probably the only person that should bring up that game, and even then, he probably shouldn't. <laughs> He probably doesn't want to. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. You ready for the good? Yeah, let me hear the good. Well, let me actually add to that because the third game in that was the home game against Omaha, and that's the three-game win streak that these guys are on right now. And here's the, frustra- here's the frustrating part about that for me. Everybody's saying UNLV men's basketball is on a three-game winning streak. What they refuse to tell you is their last two opponents have a combined two wins. Oh. On the season, one team was one in seven when they played. The other team was one in nine when they played. I'm telling you, man. Um, we will see, and we will have more concrete evidence soon because the Mountain West, I hate to say it, um, is a middle of the pack conference. Easily, you're going to get two world beaters probably every season <laughs> when you're in the middle of the middle. I don't know what you want people to say, bro. I, I don't – you know what's funny? And that's why I don't want to be this guy. But whenever people say the the Power 5 argument, I always ask people, do you think we're closer to a Power 5 or do you think we're closer going the other way? Nobody wants to answer that for me. Yeah, nah. Um, on, Volleyball I, could be a Power 5 school right now. Having to answer that, I say we're, we're closer to them dissolving the Mountain West. <laughs> and if that happens, never mind. What ha- you know what? What <laughs> no? Because what happens if they just did you it? You know what? Regionally? It's never. It's never it's because never. what happens if they just did it regionally, and they just like all the West Coast schools got to play in the West Coast Conference, for instance. Yeah. San Diego State will look decent against Gonzaga. I don't know how we look against St. Mary's. Like that's yeah. the issue that we're gonna go. Utah. These are the these are the rabbit holes I go down. Grand Canyon. They beat Cal by two. 
Karen Kane is not bad at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Dan Marley. Um, I don't know, man. Um, talk about it. I do want to say Coach Kruger's first year. Yes. I think that it is not so much boom or bust this year. For sure. But they want it to be a – they want to extract something positive from this year. Whether that's a winning record overall, I don't care who we played. I don't care if it was 19 and 18. I don't care if it was whatever. I- I'm sure they want to pull something positive from this year moving forward when you probably won't have Bryce next year. No, I don't think you will. I'd, you ready for this? I think I agree with everything that you just said about Kevin Kruger. And this 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 gets me into the into the good part about him, but to the good part about the team, I should say. Mm-hmm. Kevin Kruger has one job this year, and it's not to win games. What's that? Get Bryce to the league? No, no. Get this city back behind this program, which I think he can do, man. Which I think he might have already done. Yeah, and I if that's what I'm saying. If at the end of the year. Morale, for whatever reason, with this team, ebbs and flows a lot, and we've had a lot of turnover in the last five years, or just a lot of changes, period. But the team seems to get along year in and year out. And the support of the community has fluctuated. They're, they're They're hard on them, you know, when they deserve it. But they support them. They also support him um, year in and year out, essentially. And Coach Kruger might have the highest approval rating of what the last, at least the last three coaches, three or four head coaches. <laughs> so that bodes well for him. So like, where like you're saying, yeah, it, I, he's not, he's not being held at fire right now. Have you seen Lon Kruger around the city? No. Have you, so you haven't seen him at all since he's been out here. I mean, I, I haven't been outside much. Okay. Shout out to Bash. <laughs> um, Have I seen Lon Kruger? No, we haven't crossed paths. <laughs> I don't think I, – I talked to I talked to Coach Kruger when he was at Ohio – oh, excuse me, Ohio, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't his last season, it was the second to last season, and I did it for the uh, TJ Coach's Spotlight. And in hindsight, you could tell that – I was talking to, to Coach Lon Kruger, Wait, obviously. What's up? Did Lon Kruger join the staff? No. Okay, never mind. No. Go ahead. Go but ahead. he is in Vegas. And I will say, too, hopefully he doesn't get mad at me, but, I mean, I would hope that his job title proves that, that this did take place. But I am reporting here. Dwayne Knight, along with Lon Kruger, were people that UNLV was interested in uh, making the next athletic director. Neither are the next athletic director, at least currently. So that just lets you know one of the most one of the winningest coaches on campus in terms of Dwayne Knight doesn't want to do it. And Lon Kruger, who is the last time UNLV basketball was relevant, you could point to Lon Kruger and his recruiting. He doesn't want anything to do with it. So I think that says probably a lot about where this where this uh, school is going, probably as a whole, more so than just one program. But the right. reason why I said that is not, because not all the, not all on the basketball programs fall. It, not at all. Not even a little bit. Um but if the reason why I said that about Lon Kruger is because I didn't meet Lon Kruger into this year, but I don't think I've ever seen a happier man. Yeah. 
And that's why when they told me that he offered him that they offered him the AD position, I said, "Why would he take that? <laughs> why would he do that?" No, he could do, he could spend his time doing other things. He was just yelling at people two years ago. Yeah. I, I don't have to he, yell I think now. He was a bit happy to retire. Like, I'm enjoying grandchildren. Like, leave me alone. Like, I don't know. Dwayne Knight probably was like, <laughs> no, I'm good, guys. Don't worry about it. Um, So, <laughs> I can't wait to do that coaching spotlight. Um, we'll see. Let them slip up and be top four in the conference. Mm-hmm. So, this is a good out. That's a great season. 100%. Yeah. And I, I and this is the interesting part because we don't have unrealistic expectations. They were picked seventh out of uh, uh, to finish in the Mountain West. Yeah. So, five and up. You could probably even argue six and up. And I think the main thing is, like I said, we're not going to judge it by wins per se because T.J. Otzelberger, when he was here, we, we know what his record was when he left, but T.J. had a win against San Diego State, a big win against San Diego State. T.J. had a win against New Mexico in the pit. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're going to judge Kevin Kruger's first first year on. Yeah, that's what it's going to come down to, man, all the way. If, if Kevin Kruger can, can beat UNR, he's if you already. If Reno at home, you've got the city. No, period. Right. Because you want to know why? Because that's something that T.J. Yasselberger has never done in his career. Man, I didn't notice that. North Dakota State, UNLV, and Iowa State hasn't played them yet. But T.J. Yasselberger has never beaten UNR at the two schools he was at. So if Kevin Kruger wins one game against UNR, I know half of this city is going to look at Kevin Kruger and say, well, you did, you did your part at least in one aspect. I'm optimistic. Uh, I am. Because he was there for the entire previous tenure of uh, Coach Otts. So, and I think that's what, a lot of, that's what made a lot of players stay, too, because it wasn't going to be a completely new voice in the locker room. Yeah. Um, they do have a game against San Diego, and no, this is not San Diego State. They have a game against San Diego. It's a non-conference game. On Wednesday, 7 p.m. Yes, guys, I will be at that one as well. Um, that's the good part for this team. That's what I was going to get to you, uh, get give to you rather. In terms of their seven and five record, they are five and one at the time of Simac. That one loss, UCLA. In addition to that, UNLV, well, at least the men's side, they have that one additional game before non-conference play begins. And I'm very, very excited that this is going to continue. That this trend appears that it's going to continue. New Year's Day, 1 p.m. At the Thomas and Mac, San Diego State will be in town. All right. National news the rest of the way. I don't have the pick'em scores for you guys, because if you guys needed to know, <laughs> half the week still got <laughs> games to play. So so you don't gotta worry about the pick'em scores. Um and by the way, just I didn't look at everybody else's scores or everybody else's picks yesterday. Just from looking at mine, I hope we all did that. Yeah, I don't think mines were hot. I don't. I, I don't think a couple think of us struggle, except maybe Salim, which bothers I mean, it's, me because Salim is kind of tough place. now because everybody's I'm right like, here. I'm like seven or eight games back, I think, a number one. So I, I gotta zag some games. If I if I pick the same ones as you every week, I'll never catch you. That's true. Um, and I don't know, man. I'm a little. The safe picks aren't safe at all. <laughs> The interesting part was I started to pick New Orleans yesterday, and obviously you sound like a genius when you're saying it the day after, right? I was like, I started to pick New Orleans, and the reason why I didn't pick it, same thing I said when I was texting the group, who's home between Indy and the uh, the Patriots? I'm going with the home team. I had a feeling that New Orleans would get the win, but I was like, fam, they're in Tampa. They're not going to lose. And we saw what happened. (laughs) I didn't think so. 
Hey, man. And I also don't want to talk about it right now, but I'm not sure that the Colts lose any more games this regular season. <clears throat> what you got for national news? Let's talk about national news. Let's talk about why COVID is still running rampant around these leagues. But more than that, last week's weekly wrap, I talked about Mr. 2974. Of course, that's regarding Steph. I talked about Zion's foot setback. I talked about the WNBA releasing a new schedule. Can't think of the fourth one for whatever reason. Anyway, the other one is entitled Angry KD. Because what I don't think a lot of people have paid attention to is we talk about LeBron being the villain when he went to Miami, KD being the villain when he went to uh, Golden State. The interesting part was, and I think this is what's, what we're going to remember from this time, we talk about Kendrick and, and, and J. Cole. We talk about Jay and Nas. We talk about all of these moments. And I think this is what's going to stand out more than anything. I think when they went to Miami, when LeBron went to Miami, everybody, including the people that were close to LeBron, said he was uncomfortable in that villain role. Kevin Durant has taken that shit with him to Brooklyn. He's wanted to be. He's, He's accepted. wanted to be. Um, How do you get into it with Trey Young? <laughs> and according to Draymond Green, hey, who talks you know, a lot, says you know that Trey like Young about, is, is very vocal out there. You know what I like about KD, man? What? He's, uh, you, He's so one you, of us. You remember one of the games, uh, or maybe even a month back, Jimmy Butler and, like, and Cat got into it or something. And Anthony Edwards after the game was like, "Ain't nobody fighting, bro. He don't knock it off." And he's talking to Jimmy I Butler, agree. who many people would say is a you know tough guy, right? All of that. After the game, KD man, he knows he knows who he is. He's known as Cisco State. Absolutely. I'm Kevin Durant. You know what he said after the game? After that, me. after that little, after the little tuss, you got to tell me. He was like. um, he said, "No, man. Uh, me and Ke- he. So he downplayed it for one. He was like, that wasn't nothing serious. But he also sunned. He sunned him. He was like, man, as I, he often does. He said, um, no, man. I, I've known Trey Young since he was ten years old, man. He was a fan of mine in my camp. You know, mm-hmm. it's all good. It's just t- <laughs> come on, man. I just gotta let you know where hey, you are, Bob real Trey, quick. Hey, man, you don't gotta mention I was ten years old when, when we met. <laughs> Fam, it's the same thing that LeBron did when Jason Tatum dunked on him." <laughs> Right. It's the same exact thing Brian did. Well, nah, you know, I've known Jason since he was 13. Fam, I don't care. I don't care. I'm 21 now Irrelevant. and I'm dunking. Irrelevant. Did you see what he said? <laughs> nope. No, remember that. And, but I'm see, at the end of the day, you. too, I like what happened. KD had just made a bucket for Brooklyn to go up by five with about two minutes to go. I know this isn't boxing, but this is physical. Fam, I'm going to lean on you. KD's a dog, man. I So, I hope he... It's looking like it's between him and Steph. Jokic is definitely in there way too early MVP predictions. Um, but got to be Steph or, or KD, right? This year, um, Jokic's numbers are ridiculous still. That's still. just him, though. But yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> just, it sucks to say, but it's just say, him. I want to say they're fifth or sixth in the West. Either way. It's definitely, after you ask me. After already going on a six-game losing streak earlier this year. It, it's definitely nice to see the best player in the world argument. Mm-hmm. Um almost be undisputed for Kevin Durant because it's just like, man, look at this dude, man. We're seeing we're, – we didn't know. I don't think that we expected to see an Apex Durant this year, and I think we're getting, I think we're getting that. 
because he's still a year and a half removed from the Achilles, which I think a lot of people with that time off are ready to say that he's on his back nine. So why are we seeing this, KD? Because I have an answer for you. And you you know the answer. The answer is obvious. Go ahead. It's minutes. Yeah, I was going to say Nash. Um, coaching, he it was a good call for him. Well, he couldn't have predicted this because he tried to go and team up with two superstars. But he's in a situation now where it's like, <laughs> bro, I'm the top dog. If I want to shoot 30 times tonight, I'm going to shoot 30 times tonight. If I feel like getting a triple-double, if I feel like playing defense, I'm going to do all of that. Which is the reason why I wanted to go there is because we're getting to the point that we actually have on this paper. None of these points are on the paper. This is all banter to get to the point because Kevin Durant, two nights after getting into a betraying, and I, I think I even put in, in the, the NBA rap, it was some slight hand slapping. That's all it was. Just it was, get it your was, hands off. It was so slight. That's all it was. Just get your, get your hands off. Don't touch me. Um, however, two nights after that, what do you do, fifty? <laughs> and this is the and this is the part that's so interesting to me because I said who who gets into it with Trey Young and Draymond Green are probably laughing and be like we all probably should get into it with Trey Young because he talks whatever the case may be. Cool. Can anybody say the same thing about number one overall pick, K Cunningham? Because I saw KD going at him and I said, Oh, I think I know what KD's doing. You letting him know. KD is just going to torment K Cunningham. So five years from now, when you ask K Cunningham what was his welcome to the league moment, it's when KD hung 51 on him. Yeah. And after the game with the towel over his head, said, that's light. And I was out there trying, bro. And I gave it to him. I I'm gave trying. him a basket. I gave him a little shoulder bump. Not to mention bump. he had nine assists and seven him boards. A and one. You know what I'm saying? And that, that man was. Hey, man. I'll put it this way. Unbothered. I'll put it this way. I have seen, and this is not obviously to go to that place. I know we we Uh, were very, very shocked before when we were – I was shocked before, rather, when you broke the news to me on the pod. But as a person who's seen Kobe play a handful of times, like more than a handful of times, I found it interesting because Kobe ran across my mind again when I was uh, covering the WNBA postseason because I witnessed somebody in the Mandalay Bay Arena call Diana Taurasi's name. First quarter, somebody was shooting free throws. She was standing at half court. Diana Taurasi looked into the stands and started squinting, and she started kind of scanning. I sat there, and I shook my head, and I said, don't talk to her. Yeah, girl, though. Because Kobe's different. Kobe would have ignored you. Kobe's not listening to anything you say. <laughs> Diana Taurasi wanted to lock eyes with the person. And give them a no response. I, I text Brian Salmon immediately and said, this isn't going to go well for Vegas. They got to stop talking to her. <laughs> you guys let me know oh, how that Oh, man, went. after she did what she did to, to the Aces this year, too. You guys let me know how that went. Not to mention, they're opening the season in Phoenix. No, man. Nah, bro, I uh, what was what's super dope to see about the KD play this year, too, and I, 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 I just love to see it. We've had injury talk mad times between each other. Too many. He's gotten oh, and I have another side point. We're we're getting this after. Yeah. Hopefully, we got time. Um, we got a lot, oh, a little bit. KD man, he's he changed his game. His yeah. game has changed, bro. It's so freaking smooth, man. Just because he understands his body's a little fragile. <clears throat> he doesn't have even the muscle mass that he did, you know, in OKC mm-hmm. in year five, year six, where you would catch him take two bodies to the rim. 
or catch him going up, getting thrown back down pretty hard. Right now, he's going to avoid that if possible because it's unnecessary. Right. He realizes that at my freaking size, I can one two into this twelve foot pull up. And literally shoot over everyone. Whenever I feel like it, I can go baseline and shoot the ball leaning three feet out of bounds. Uh, rap, does a rapid fire matter. question: Who can't Kevin Durant shoot over? Giannis. Even then, he does it. But he who, gives it to who Giannis does he, too. Who does he have a hard time shooting over? I'll say Giannis. You have an answer to this, or are you? Just, no, I'm just okay. throwing names. That's yeah, a rapid fire question. Bro, no, man, there's not many. Man, AD, Joel like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's not many. Does Kawhi affect him? I feel like they haven't really had a good spotlight series against each other, or even like marquee matchup. No, it's hard to hard. They definitely did back when they were in OKC. OKC San Antonio. San Antonio. I was just about but, to say that. Yeah, that feels dated now. Yeah, right. Um, Kawhi is definitely another play, another player at this point, and hell, you could even argue KD is. So you know who my sidebar is about? Who? Um, I who I would have to say is top five, but I believe fourth at either small forward or you could just say the wing position in at least the last decade. Fourth over the last decade. Who? It's your boy PG, man. You already know how I feel about PG, man. I, I get that it's the fun, like, same thing. We've we seen it happen with Meek Mill. We've seen it happen with the baby. You could argue the baby might have been might asked for it. But we've seen it happen. Whenever it becomes popular or cool to not like somebody, I don't know how you look at Paul George's game. And I, I just, I don't get it. I don't see how you look at Paul George's game and you think of 30 players right now that are better than Paul George. I, I don't know too many that are. If you go from 2000 on. You can't name point. any small forwards that are better. It's a good point. Um, I you saw I, I caught that uh, Clippers Warriors game over Thanksgiving weekend. Um, that was my first NBA game in a minute. I will be at another one. I did soon. See that. I did. See that, that. that has to happen. That was that was, that was fun. Trust um, me. Just was in LA and wanted to make the most of it. I was like, oh, the Warriors are here. <laughs> Maybe I should try and check that out. I've seen Steph play one so time Steph, in this preseason. That was bucket list. That was it bucket has list. to be. That has was, to um, be. That was 100% worthwhile. Two observations from that game, aside from just getting to see Steph, one, Steph and Draymond are just on a different level. They are just on a different level. I want to write a book about Draymond. Bro, well, another time. I'm um, very serious about that. But that guy, PG, man, he he's a, he's a, what, an inch, inch and a half shorter than Kevin Durant? He's and how 16 many, and they don't want to say it. And how many things can <clears> – <throat> Paul George, can Kevin Durant do that Paul George can't? Only thing I'll say is probably because of the length and the wingspan, is probably chase down blocks. It's the only thing that KD probably has over him. And KD and Paul George <laughs> snapped his leg. Very good point. At 24? 25? I didn't want to think about that. So I'm like, bro, come on now. Come on. Come on, this dude is freaking nice, man. That's, to even that's why, be back on a basketball court, I just nice. wanted to say that, man. And I, you know, we, this is the Clippers talk. I think that team is turned. I don't know, bro. I don't know what's going on with them. Who they got to figure it out. Who knows at all? I'm not giving you guys Who any Clipper talk today. at all. I don't know what you guys <laughs> want from me. But I, he, that man, that man deserves his credit. But we've had a fun season, man. What the way I've seen it now. The NBA season is uh, definitely in two, two parts. It's pre, pre-All-Star and post-All-Star. Post-All-Star, is, it's about the basketball. All right, who's healthy? What do we look like? 
who's playing hot, who's not. First half is storylines. Oh, man. Storylines. A lot of predictions, a lot of, you know. A lot of early just calls. what's going on. But see, this is one of the early early storylines that we had before the season started. And we started this conversation by talking about, well, conversation about wing players. Started by talking about Kevin Durant. And the entire reason why we brought up Kevin Durant is because we talked about the minutes that he was playing. And that ultimately resulted in Steve Nash, head coach Steve Nash, um, making another – can I tell one quick story about Steve Nash real quick? I, I'd love to hear it. This is not this – is, this is one that I know for a fact if I brought it up to him. If he remembers, he would be like probably mad at me. And the reason why is because I was at Kmart. And shout out to Kmart. Shout out to Kmart, right? <laughs> I used to work at Kmart. Super K. You dig. I used to work at Kmart at the Carson Town Center. And I used to uh, work at Olin Mills, so I did the pictures in the front. So it was my job to walk around and sell the pictures, basically. So I'm walking around. I'm doing my thing or whatever. That was my Kmart, by the way. Don't play. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I, I used to be in there all the time, bro. That's hilarious. And I'm, I'm walking around, and you know Layaway was right in the front. So Or the pick, uh, customer service was right in the front. Layaway was on the ba- all the way in the back. So, right at the customer service, I walk out of the Olin Mills, and customer service is to the left. I'm walking, and as I'm walking, I look to my left, and I lock eyes with somebody. And when I seen him, I was like, is that Steve Nash? And I sat there, and I was like, if I say anything, this store is going to flip. So, I can't say nothing. So, I walked by. Obviously, acknowledged Responsible. Yeah. Responsible. See, I tried to. And walked by, I asked, could I get a picture? I didn't even take the picture with him, like, because I didn't want people to know, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I just asked him to take a picture of him, and, like, can I do it on the slide? He was like, yeah, sure. So I got one, like, appreciate it. He said he was there picking up his daughter's bike. I said, dope. As I'm walking away, I heard somebody go, is that Steve Nash? Everybody rushed the man. I said, fam, was that me? <laughs> I said, was that me? So this is what? This is this first is year. Bro, so bro, bro, retirement? No, this was uh when he got traded to Lakers. So twenty eleven. Oh man, that's what I was gonna say. Twenty eleven? Yeah. No, I was I was out of high school. So it had to be after twenty twelve. Either twenty twelve or twenty thirteen, yeah. one of those years. Um but anyway, so Steve Nash obviously had to make a decision. And his decision was to opt to bring Kyrie Irving back to participate part time with the Brooklyn Nets. You wanna talk about the Brooklyn Nets feelings or you wanna talk about Kyrie's feelings? What's Kyrie's feelings? Told y'all. <laughs> Told y'all y'all was going to need me. Nah, I, I actually, um, yeah, no, because that was weird. They, they could have did this from the jump. Exactly. They could have did this from the jump. I and get their reasoning, but if you're going to argue we only want players that are buying in the whole time, either play Kevin Durant 34 minutes a game and don't exceed that and take whatever comes with it, or you should have never said it to begin with. Right. <laughs> In hindsight, twenty twenty. But Kyrie was dead on with his stance in terms of that's what he felt. I'm going to keep this until y'all realize, hey, in December, nobody's going to be in this all or nothing. Like, y'all are about to get slammed. And I'm not, I'm not you know, doing sharing any excitement about that. But I'm saying no, no, um, no. nobody could have predicted. I mean, we should have. We should have. You, you know what? I, we had we had on the grip on a grip on the you know. Uh, they said the it was gonna get. They said it was gonna get worse when it got colder. They said it. Right. 
They said it all summer. So we knew. Here's the here's the part that I'm that I don't think people want to talk about, but here's my woke segment of the show. Uh oh. Kyrie's entire point, when I originally said that Kyrie um is probably feeling like Toja, whatever the case may be, sure, he might be. At the end of the day, Kyrie Irving said he was doing this because for for people rather who uh didn't have a say so in their jobs, like didn't have a nest egg saved up, couldn't do whatever the case may be. Like I said before, how much of this is Kyrie Irving just saying these things that they try to force you guys to do? If you guys give in, it's over. You got you guys gave into it. If you guys stand your ground, they have no choice but to capitulate to what you asked for. No, he, he, that was the bigger picture. That's what Kyrie's feelings are. Knowing your worth. When I said told you, I wasn't talking to the Brooklyn Nets. I was talking to everybody else. Told you, this is all you got to do. If you're valued, your presence is missed. Right. As much as everybody would not want to admit this. A breaking point is going to come. Kyrie Irving won. Where you're like, yo, what are we doing? We got this dude Kyrie on our roster. Can we play him? And we're in L.A. and he's here <laughs> can up we play, the street. And can we play him? We don't want to play him. We got nine guys. Can we, can we, can we, can we, uh, is, Ky- is Kyrie's jersey here? Remember when Jordan put on the no-name jersey? Yo. Fam, I, I will take here. You feel me? It's a Chris Chioza jersey, but you got it right here. <laughs> you need it? But, I mean, in, in all seriousness, we, we're, we're joking and laughing now, but the news portion of this statement, or of this segment, rather, is the Brooklyn Nets are allowing Kyrie Irving to come back and be a part-time participant. Only games that he won't be able to participate in are Nets home games, which is a big deal. Any game at the Madison Square Garden, which I think they only have – did they play at Madison Square Garden already? I think so. I think they did. So they may have one more, if any more yeah. at all. <clears throat> Excuse me. And any game in Toronto. I believe at the time that the uh, that the news was made, made public, I believe the Brooklyn Nets had 27 home games and 26 road games left. And if I'm wrong, it's the opposite way. So – Kyrie is going to play. You can eliminate one of those full out the way because it's their their Brooklyn Nets Barclays Center game. And I don't know if um I don't know what's the update on this, but I know that they were pending new legislature because they were either having a mayoral race or election in, in Brooklyn, in New York. I mean, in New York. I mean, yeah, where potentially whoever was elected was going to change um, the performance laws to where performers didn't have to be. Where Kyrie would have been eligible, exactly for even home and games. The reason so I don't why know if that happened or not, but at least let's do this. Well, the thing is too, I don't know whether that's happened either. But Kyrie isn't—he's already subject to daily tests by not being vaccinated to begin with. So, like you just said, if he tests negative that morning and he, he tests negative again and walking up walking into the building the next or uh for shoot around Kyrie Irving should be good to play yeah what if they make Kyrie Irving wear a mask <laughs> on the court come on man <laughs> what if he's the only one that has to wear a mask you wear like Bronny <laughs> let's move on <laughs> um would you, would I don't you, even have another topic to move on to when I'm trying to run away would you trade Kyrie you want to go there you shouldn't. I mean, I, you definitely shouldn't if you're asking me. I heard one valuable point on that. And I, I, didn't, I didn't even think about trading Kyrie or this other person, honestly. And it probably solves both issues. But 
do do all parties involved want it to happen? Is that, and that's what I'm going to say. Nick Wright, you probably know where I'm going now, but Nick Wright had, he said something. He said a one-for-one one trade, and when he said it, I was oh, like. Oh, shut up. Wait, what's he, what did he say? Damn, that might it. actually work. It's a reunion going both ways. Kyrie for AD? Kyrie for Westbrook? Trade Kyrie for Russ. Nah, we're not doing that, man. Russ, <laughs> Russ is staying this year. I think that's how I, I Me personally, I think L.A. will give Russ a full season in L.A. That's just me personally. But that is a, a move that might solve everybody's issues. It really could be. <laughs> it might be an issue that solves everything. Katie da- and James Harden don't have to run the entire offense because Kate because Kyrie isn't there. You're getting somebody who's vaccinated, and then if you're LeBron and AD, you're getting somebody who can lead a team if need be, or be the number one guy on the team, I guess, if need be. Yeah. Um. Aside from that, like I said, COVID is ripping through leagues. Get to see Demar Derozan come back, drop thirty eight and six against the Lakers in a winning effort. Um. I guess the only thing I really need to do before I get out of here, we are doing a somewhat early show today because we do have, like I said, a Monday afternoon game. I can't even say Monday night. We got a, a Monday afternoon game today. But uh, we're going to end it with some combat sports. I think that would be a decent way to end it. Why is that game at two? Honestly, <laughs> I think because they, I think because it was at two on, it was on two or scheduled for two on Saturday. Oh, uh, was it? And they weren't yeah. moving the Monday night game. So I think they were just like, fam, either y'all going to play at 2 or earlier. So <laughs> unless you want to be in Cleveland playing at 8 in the morning, fam, I don't think you want to. I'm British standard, I don't think you want to do that, dog. Oh, man. Where are we at? Um. Oh, combat UFC. sports. Combat? Yeah, I'm happy that you went to the UFC first because that's exactly where I'm going. Uh, We probably won't even give too much of a, of a, of a long-winded uh, breakdown of this, but just two things I wanted to highlight, both knockouts, ironically enough. Uh, Derek Lewis had a first-round KO of Chris Dawkins, and if you guys were not aware, those are both heavyweights. But the knockout gave Derek Lewis number 14 of his UFC career, which gave him the claim. Knockout king. Officially as knockout king. And I, like I said, I'm a firm believer in <laughs> – I'm going to get this out the way now. I started the podcast with Fashion Killer because – by ASAP Rocky, if you guys don't know. I started it with Fashion Killer because I'm a firm believer in – Especially, if, I think business owners in general, when you're building something from the bot from the ground up, and you're a part of something from the ground up, you watch certain things that you have said, and or people that are around you have said that come to fruition. And when they do, it's like, oh damn, I remember you said that. I remember you said you wanted to do that. I started Fashion Killer, or I started with Fashion Killer because, um, when Rocky said, I think this might have been the second verse, when Rocky said her attitude, Rihanna, she get it from her mama. Ooh. Obviously, we haven't potted in so long. I said, I don't know whether Rihanna is pregnant or not with said Rocky's child. I want it to be true just so that bar can be true. Yeah, Because nah, he would have wrote that bar about 10 years before it happened. Yeah. I just want that to be true. Yeah. That's it. No, that's dope. So for Derrick Lewis, I'm going to say Derrick Henry. So for Derrick Lewis to walk around with Knockout King tattooed on his chest, we talked about Steph breaking this record before. We talked about just certain records that we knew were going to fall. We expected this to happen with Derrick Lewis one day, right? It was all, well, especially once 2020 turned and this man started accepting fights every, every six weeks. Everywhere, bro. Every other month. He's going to fight in February. Uh, <laughs> He's going to yeah. fight in Houston. <laughs> He will fight in Houston. Trust me. Now the numbers swung major, but um, yeah, man, I love seeing him win it though. And that's where I'm I at. I love with seeing it. him win it. 
You want to go there first? We can. Um, Derrick Lewis was number three coming into this fight. Fought number seven, Chris Dawkins. Obviously, this is the biggest spot for Chris Dawkins of his young career. He could slide into the top three and, hell, yeah. depending on the yeah. way that you look and depending on how quickly you get the slid. finish, you could be the replacement for Cyril yeah. uh, Gan and Francis Ngannou. However, this is where I'm going with it. Dana White said the most important or most impressive thing, rather, about what Derek Lewis, uh, about his knockout numbers, is how long he's been in the UFC. Maybe five years? I think six or seven. Six or, six seven. or seven. I think 2015 or 16 is around there. Um, I mean, uh, 14 or 15 was around there. Nah, because it's funny, man. What was that? That must have been UFC 2. Um, me and the homies always run. And then my boy Rashawn, that man is cold at UFC. <laughs> he, he was... <laughs> Yeah, I was the first. I really got familiar. He started, you would use Derek Lewis. He would like, I'm, I'm, that's the Black Beast. And I'm like, shut up. Who is that? <laughs> bro, who are you talking about? Nah, really, he, they call him the Black, the Black Beast. Black Beast, bro. <laughs> He's a Black Beast, bro. Um, and the thing is, too, I think what makes Derek Lewis so easy to root for is he strikes all of us as us like he's just a he's just a regular person who's very honest um we've seen him win big matchups and they've asked him about championship fights and he said my cardio is trash right now like the fact that he actually holds the win over francis and ganu and that's where i'm going like throws such a wrench into that or makes that like title pictures like so deserving of just like a triple threat at this point and the interesting part the interesting thing that you said that is because most people even Dana White has highlighted that particular fight as one of the most boring heavyweight fights of history yeah because neither one wanted to get hit by the other however Derek Lewis owns a, owns a win over Francis Ngannou Cyril Gan owns a win over him when you think about everybody else Stipe is obviously in there when you think about everybody else in the heavyweight division Curtis Blades Derek Lewis has a win over him. Yeah. Chris Dawkins. Yeah. Derek Lewis now has a win over him. Tom, Asp- Tom Aspinall is going to be the next one that I was probably going to get to. But you just mentioned Alexander Volkov. Derek Lewis has a win against him. And by the way, somebody did ask him his favorite uh, knockout out of the 14, and he said no doubt it was Alexander Volkov. He said because it was like Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe it, bro. I-, I wonder how many times he watches that. But I- I- we say all of that to say – Derek Lewis, if he retires without a belt, and I know te- undisputed belt, because I know technically people will probably say the same thing about Dustin Poirier. He only has the interim title. But those are the two guys that right now, if they retired without a belt, I'm not sure it matters for those two. Right. Yeah. I don't know how many other fighters can say that. Yeah, those say, two, it, it I don't think suck. they need one. We it, want it them would to suck, have but one. yeah. It's like, uh, but yeah, no. When you look at when you look at Derek Lewis, like the and it, man, especially what the heavyweight division has been over the last three, four years when he's put in the bulk of his work, hmm. it's been you know two to three title defenses a year. Um, you know, Cormier, a lot of you know some dual champions, things like that. Well, Cormier was untouchable; they wasn't touching him. Not untouchable. Yeah. No, he was untouchable yeah. for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought um, Anthony Rumble Johnson was going to do it, and once I seen him whoo. choke him out twice, I said, "Fam, I, I, I don't know I who watched, else is going." I, don't know I watched some Cormier highlights the other night. He's a monster, bro. He's a bad man. He's a, that is a um, bad man, bro. But the fact that Derek Lewis beat anybody else that was relevant. Uh, the just only about, and, and just you think about. about just the losses that he does have. 
no no disrespect because he doesn't have to deal with these people anymore. But he has a loss, I believe, from 2018 from Junior Dos Santos. Mm-hmm. Junior's not in the promotion anymore. He's in All Elite Wrestling. So, not to sound like that, but Derek Lewis could look at the guys at the top of this division and say, "Who, who, what have y'all done? Fam. Who are y'all? Fam. I might, even, I might be one of the biggest draws. If and not I'm here the, right now. If not the Still, biggest. Still, I'm not even talking about what I used to do. All right, here's what, here's where I'm at with it. Can you can look it up for me and tell me if I'm wrong. You can tell me if these two people ever fought before because this is the only thing that makes sense, especially if John Jones does not come back next year. Derek Lewis Stipe is the only thing that makes sense, right? Is Stipe accepting fights? Stipe wants John Jones. If Stipe's not fighting for the title because he already feels like he should have an automatic rematch, which Dana White, if you've caught him the greatest heavyweight of all time, he's probably right. But he said if he doesn't have an automatic championship fight rematch, he would like to welcome John Jones to the heavyweight division. And John Jones does not want Stipe fight. And I don't think John Jones is scared of Stipe, regardless of what people have, say, have said. I think John Jones is at this point in his career where he is making business decisions. If he loses to Stipe, what are we doing here? <laughs> if he's yeah. going to lose, he's going to lose for the belt. Yeah. Let's see. So I don't believe Derek Lewis and Stipe Miocic have fought before, but I know Stipe wants the John Jones fight. If he doesn't get that John Jones fight, I do expect Stipe and, and Derek Lewis. That would be some interesting. Yep. Nope. They Derek, never fought. Derek Lewis, Derek Lewis hoping uh, that he gets about with Stipe. After is a win at Vegas 45. Wait, per, so. Perfightful.com. When did that come out? Two days ago. Oh, so see. So that lets you guys know, at least if I was lying and saying that I did a UFC story, you guys would know. But I definitely didn't do a UFC story yeah. because I wouldn't include that in it. That's the only thing that makes sense to me right now for Derek Lewis. He's he's literally fought everybody. And the yeah, only loss is not for, for the top. belt. Just stop running him against. However, you wouldn't want to see Derek Lewis versus Ty Tuivasa. No, I'm sorry, bro. I don't. I would rather see. Did Tai Tuivasa and Justin Taffa fight before? And I think Tai Tuivasa won. I want to say. I think Tai Tuivasa won. He definitely didn't lose it if they, if they fought. He didn't. I don't. That's, that's, I don't know. That's man. jumping him up there. I'm just saying, like, on paper, doesn't that sound that don't sound bad? Well, I mean, yeah, see, here's <laughs> and this is the bad part. I will watch them fight in the backyard. <laughs> I don't know about a UFC fight. Like, at presently constructed, I don't know. If I'm Derek Lewis, I'm being extremely stingy. Oh, you got to now. I'm you being extremely your worth now, stingy, man. man. Either it's for If the, you're not giving me the loser, the championship fight, or Stipe. Either it's for the belt or it's for the doing? bag. Facts. Right now, like, you can't, you can't do me otherwise. <laughs> I already like that one. It's either for the belt or for the bag. There's really no in between with Derek <laughs> Lewis right now. Which I think that's where Dustin Poirier is at, kind of, too. Ironically enough. Sucks to suck. And Dustin Poirier, he's at a, a a moment in his career, I feel like, where he already beat Conor McGregor twice. So he's going to be a draw wherever he goes. That's it. You get out of town now and, and go take. I'm fighting anybody, dog. If I'm Dustin Poirier, I'm fighting anybody. Just lost for the belt, so why not? I'm get, It's a cash grab. Oh, I was thinking, do you, do you, well, he's under contract. Yeah. For who knows what. Yeah. I was going to say, do you, do you, you know, dip out? Availability, go take that Strike Force belt, go take that Prime belt. No. One belt just to get the belts going and, you know, be the top dog somewhere because. That's interesting. You, are, you arguably are. You have 
second, third most division What happens if Dustin ever? Poirier goes and loses in the championship fight? What if, he has, what if he goes to another promotion and gets a championship fight right away and he loses in the championship fight? Yeah, so, oh, you got to hold that. Not only that, then you've walked into the situation of you can't win the big one, period. Yeah. If I'm Dustin Poirier, I'm staying in the UFC. and I'm I mean, there's like a that. number of people for him to accept fights with because he could even fluctuate his weight. I so. didn't care for this, but Dana White said it after the, uh, in the post-fight press conference. He said if the fans want it and those two guys want it, we'll make the fight really? happen. Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier. I'm sorry, guys, but Both if Nate the, wins, is Nate going to fight for a title? Both of the Diaz's look washed. And, and if, they're professional fighters, so they can always fight. Right. But I don't want to see that it, It's not that for me with Nate. I just think that Nate, Nick might be washed. Nick, <laughs> Nick might be washed. Nick. Um, Nate, I don't think Nate is washed. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I think Nate is at the, and this is going to sound like a fucking jab. I feel like he's he's in the Cowboy Cerrone ballpark he's in the ballpark where we know that you're a tough fight we know that you're obviously going to be a draw but we're going to send people your way almost like a gauntlet yeah if they get past you we know they're for real if you send them back to the gulag we get it (laughs) we shouldn't have sent them up i think that's where nate diaz is right now i think we and a big part of it was his last fight against leon edwards i think a big part of it was like can you go five rounds with somebody who's not gonna quit and we saw it. Leon got rocked toward the end, but it Good. made everybody look at Leon and say, oh, well, I mean, might as well let him fight for the title now. I can see Nate Diaz literally being people's number one contender, number one contender spot. But see, the weird thing is, like I said, if Nate shocks the world one day, which he could, which I'm always giving one of the Diaz brothers a swinging chance, right? Yeah. A punching shot. You're always going to give it. Is he going to get the shot? Nine times out of ten, the answer is no. Yeah. We talk about these heavyweight or these these great fighters without titles to their names. I don't know, man. Last thing I want to talk about. Huh, I'll put it this way. Last thing I'm going to talk about. Last thing I don't know if I want to talk about it. Um, I seen somebody say that Jake Paul should be up for prospect of the year, fighter of the year, and knockout of the year. I agree with two of those three. Prospect of the year because boxing is boxing, and obviously we see what the cards are. So I get it. I'm with it. I'm with it. Um, Knockout of the year. I'm with that, too. If you want to find one and go say that's it, I'm with it. Fighter of the year. What are we doing there? What highlight matchups do we have from Jake Paul this year? What are we doing there? Now, like I said before, man, uh, anybody who fully commits to anything, I'm going to give them that. Like I have told Jake Paul. I mean, like I have said about Jake Paul plenty of times. Jake Paul is boxing. I'm not sure he's a boxer. Because you're not fighting boxers, bro. Like, yeah. it's just it's, we box in the hood. Like, we we box the box. <laughs> None of us are boxers, fam. Like, and nine times out of ten, we're boxing in the box. Yeah. And then when the boxer comes in and be like, let me play. No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. No, go. Because no. you actually train, fam. No. You can ref. So, you know, we don't kill each other. But, no, we're not We're not doing this with you. So. I'll work out with you. <laughs> fam, you, we, can, we can go do some cardio. But, and I'll be honest uh, with this. Shout out to Jake Paul. Because I've, I've shouted him out in terms of his business sense. That goes without saying. Amanda Serrano was going to be the biggest, probably one of the biggest things from him. But um, 
he tried to fight Tommy Fury. That would have it wouldn't have shut me up completely, but at least you're fighting a boxer, bro. Yeah. At least you're fighting somebody who literally woke up <laughs> 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and was like, I want to do this. Tyron Woodley, no disrespect to him, he's woke up one day and woken up one day and said, I want to wrestle. And then he woke up another day and said, I want to do mixed martial arts. He excelled at both of those. He woke up another day and said, I want to do boxing. He's 0-2 currently. Not saying it couldn't change. However, what I will say is I don't want to see Tyron Willie fight anymore. I don't. Nah. I don't. I'm good. He doesn't need to. Yeah. And what I truthfully feel like is in this, he said he wants to fight four more times next year. And all right. But. Tyron Willie said that? Four more times next year. So he's he's trying to be serious. Go ahead, go ahead. Keep in mind, Darren Williams won his fight and said, "I'm gonna go set my old ass down." Good for him. He said, "I'm gonna let the professionals do this shit." <laughs> so anyway, I say that to say, Jake Paul would have been in the ring with a boxer, and whatever that way, whatever way that that played out, it obviously would have played out. I'll be honest. I don't know what's next for Jake Paul. He did have a six-round knockout of Tyron Woodley. I don't I don't know what you guys want me to say. He's 5-0. and oh. Excuse me. He's 5-0 and oh, uh, so far in his career. He has four knockouts, knocked out every fighter that he's fought. I don't know what you guys want me to say outside of the fact of the man's, uh, what's it called, business sense is through the roof. Um, and in addition to that, I will say that he's getting toward the position to fighting boxers. I think that will happen eventually. I think that uh, he's been pretty smart and strategic in doing it. But obviously, when you have your your antics that go with it, you're going to get some naysayers like me and I'm sure some others. Um, I, if you guys wanted me to go into a full Jake Paul breakdown. First of all, ask yourself why. I forgot this happened until uh, Saturday night. I was doing some brisk cleaning. And then opened my phone, saw two hours. I was like, "Wait, that's what's tonight? Wait, this this happened? Oh my goodness!" And, and it seems like too. <laughs> and and for the people that have been saying that um, it, it's fake, or not well, obviously boxing isn't fake, but they're saying that all of these are staged and they're they're throwing matches. They have a point only because every fight we have seen Jake Paul go through a little a little more adversity. So if a person did want to say that this is all stage and he was going to get to fight one boxer and even if he lost, he would retire after that. Whatever the case may be, because I do believe promoting might be his, his ultimate goal. Uh, I think he more so wants to be rivals with Dana White. That's just my personal opinion that I could be wrong. I could be taking a shot in the dark. Shout out to the OD. Um, other than that, I have my dad's tip in, which actually just happens to be a quote today. Oh, you good. And I know Hoop has to get out of here. So I appreciate you, brother. Um, as always. So my dad's tip in is a simple quote today. He said my mom typically does it, but he said I'd rather adjust. Appreciate you. He said I'd rather adjust to your absence than be frustrated by your presence. Once again, my dad's tip in is I'd rather adjust to your absence than be frustrated by your presence. I don't know where he came up with that quote from, but I appreciate you, Dad. Until next time, guys. Keep on talking. <laughs>